our lesson today, which the kids so wonderfully acted out for us, is from 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life, that this man says word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was, Wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. The word of our Lord. 
wonderful job reading this morning. Those were hard names, and you did a great job. If you had been at my Wednesday morning Bible study, you would know that I did not do as well. Um, nor do I often, as probably Celeste can attest, I, I kind of massacre some names, so oh well. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. This past week, I was given the opportunity to attend two events in order to stand with our brothers and sisters whose communities have experienced discrimination and acts of violence and hate. Last Sunday, I left church just a little bit early and went down to Lake Street in Minneapolis. We're starting at Chicago Avenue. There were people all lining the streets from there until St. Paul holding signs and waving flags. The signs said things like, I am transgendered and I won't be erased, or I am transgendered and I exist. I am a trans ally and trans people are part of our community. My favorite one was, trans people are like glitter, we never go away. This quiet protest was organized in response to the report that the Department of Health and Human Services is considering changing Title IX guidelines that would essentially erase federal recognition of transgendered individuals and non-binary gender identities. I will admit it was not until recently that I realized the incredible persecution that the trans community experiences quite regularly. I was pretty naive when a speaker who was trans got up and talked about the daily bullying and harassment that she experiences. And since then, I have learned that the trans community has a higher suicide rate than the general population by 25%. They have a much more um, higher likelihood of experiencing homelessness and poverty because they are not protected in their jobs and are often kicked out of their families. In just a couple of weeks, on November 20th, there will be a day of remembrance for transgendered people, a day kind of like our All Saints Day, a day where we remember everyone who in the trans community who was killed because of acts of violence given, uh, put upon them in this past year. As of today, that number is 22 individuals in our country. 22. As I think about this, my heart aches. Our trans community has a difficult enough time in discovering who they really are and living into their identity. And I wonder what this new policy might mean for our community and theirs. I felt so fortunate to be able to attend that protest last Sunday and to have that opportunity to stand with my trans brothers and sisters in an effort to say, you are not alone, you are cared for, you are seen. It truly was a joyous event. People came by honking their horns, giving thumbs up signs, waving with enthusiasm. It felt like a love fest. And I prayed that the individuals who are transgendered felt that love surrounding them. On Thursday evening, I gathered with a different group of people. This one was over at Westwood Lutheran Church in St. Louis Park. It was an interfaith service put together by local clergy in St. Louis Park to stand with their Jewish brothers and sisters after the anti-Semitic attacks in Pittsburgh last week. Rabbi Avi Oltsky, which I'm sure I did not say correctly, um, was one of the speakers at that event. 
He told stories about the anti-Semitism he has experienced since second grade. In second grade, was the first, it was the first time that he went home crying from school because a fellow classmate had told him that they were going to blow up his house because he was Jewish and didn't belong here. And from then on, every year, he experienced at least one act, if not more, of anti-Semitism. In college, when he confessed his own white privilege, his professor responded to him by saying, you're not white, you're Jewish. And when he was in the army as a chaplain there, another chaplain said to him the first time he was with his yarmulke on his head, oh, I thought you might have horns under there. Perhaps your stomach did what mine did when you told these stories. Felt sick, dropped. I felt the collective response of the people all sitting in Westwood's sanctuary as we thought to ourselves, no, that can't happen. And yet I knew his stories were real and they made me so sad. We know indeed that 11 people were killed last week in Pittsburgh due to anti-Semitism. And as our hearts break together for our Jewish brothers and sisters, I wonder what more we can do. Later on in our service, we will pray for them and remember them. But I think as people of faith that prayer only gets us so far. And perhaps there is more we can do to respond to this violence that is plaguing our nation. Our welcome statement is one that reminds us of who we are and who we want to be at Shepherd of the Hills. We welcome all people from the young to the old, to the seeker to the skeptic, people of all sexual orientations and all sexual identities, people of all lands, cultures, and colors, people of all abilities. I love our welcome statement. It is one of the reasons I am here, and I know from talking to our new members that it is often one of the reasons people stay here. The Holy Spirit indeed inspired the people who wrote these words because every time I turn to them, I find truth and acceptance. But as wonderful as these words are, I wonder if they are enough. It is enough to say that people are welcomed here at our church to worship with us and receive communion, or might that welcome actually call us to do something more? Might welcome mean that we go beyond the walls of our church out into the community to stand alongside our brothers and sisters who are experiencing persecution? Does our welcome mean that we dare to risk having a voice and speaking up on behalf of those who are voiceless, working on behalf of those who people who do not have housing? Does welcome mean we do whatever we can to advocate on behalf of those who are persecuted and marginalized? I believe it does. And so I wonder today who God is calling us to hear and where God is calling us to go. Today we heard the story of Naaman which was fabulously acted by Pastor Scott and Brian and our kids. And hopefully you noticed the details of that story. Because while the story in itself is somewhat amusing, the details actually convey an important point. The details remind us that God works on behalf of outsiders and uses people who look and might seem insignificant to play an important role in leading us to faith and bringing us to healing Naaman, the main character in that story, he is an outsider. He's not an Israelite. 
In fact, he is the enemy of the Israelites. He is not one of God's chosen people. And yet God goes to extraordinary lengths in order to bring him to faith and to bring him to healing. To make sure that he is washed and made clean and his life is transformed. And Naaman has to learn the hard way. That while receiving a healing from God does not require any payment in silver or gold or riches and clothing, it does actually ask that our lives are changed. Once we've received that healing and love and welcome from God, we don't come out the same on the other side. Our faith moves us to be different people. Our faith moves us to act with humility and start listening to people we might otherwise ignore. Our faith invites us to cross borders and boundaries in order to go to people we might consider other, in order to spread that word of love, welcome, and belonging, because these are the very people who God is working in and through. The entire story of Naaman never would have even taken place if it weren't for the kidnapped Israelite girl at the beginning of the story. This girl is a person who's pretty easy to overlook. After all, she's a nobody. She isn't even given a name. She has no status, no money, no power. She isn't even really a servant. If we looked at the Hebrew, we would know she is a slave. The only thing that this girl has is faith. A faith that makes a difference. See, her faith guides her to pay attention to what is happening in the world around her. Her faith leads her to notice that someone in her midst is struggling And her faith gives her the courage to speak up on behalf of that individual. Her faith allows her to know that God's healing power is not restricted to people who look like her or talk like her or act like her, but instead can be offered even to someone who is her enemy. And so she does indeed allow her faith to move her, to care for her neighbor more than she actually does herself. This young girl is a tremendous example of what I think that welcome and care for our neighbor needs to look like. And I wonder how we might follow her example and allow our faith to be the vehicle that gives us the courage to speak up and act with compassion and love for anyone and everyone. In his book on Kings, Richard Nelson writes these words. The story of Naaman fights against the tendency of exclusiveness which infects God's people in the form of racism and nationalism. Let me read those words for you again. The story of Naaman fights against the tendency of exclusiveness which infects God's people in the form of racism and nationalism. At a time when we are seeing acts of violence and hate in our own country and a growing spirit of nationalism in which we are almost constantly reminded to put America first, Naaman's story reminds us that God does not love Americans or Christians exclusively, just as God did not love the Israelites and the Jews exclusively in the days of Naaman and Elisha. God's love is for all people. God loves you and God loves me. God loves our neighbors, and God loves our enemies. And as people of faith living in the world today, our call is to be inspired by our faith, to be transformed in our faith, to follow where God is leading us to go, to speak up on behalf of others, and to bring healing, 
Because God has gone to extraordinary lengths to bring us close, to show us we are loved, and therefore we get to go and do the same on behalf of others. Our story of faith is one in which God always reaches to the margins and always goes beyond the boundaries of our society to reach out to people who are considered other or outsiders to bring people in. And we as people who are considered insiders have that duty of following God to those outer boundaries. In just a moment, we will be remembering the saints of our church who died over this past year. Every year we do this, we hear their names read and we ring a bell. And every year it gets more and more difficult because as I listen to the names read, I remember the beloved people who sat in the pews alongside us, who sat in fellowship, and whose faith also moved out into the community around us. This year seems especially hard. When I read the list of people, I know almost every one of them. And I know not only did they welcome me, but their faith inspired me. These individuals embodied that spirit of welcome and courageous faith that has been an example to so many. It has shown out through their Bible study and prayer, but it moved beyond the walls of our church into classrooms where they taught, grocery stores and hospitals and offices where they worked, into their homes and into their neighborhoods. Their faith wasn't silent. It was a faith lived in word and action that at times was comforting and at other times was courageous. These saints had been washed in the healing waters of God's love, just like Naaman, and their lives were changed because of it. God's love is here for you today. It's always here. It's never going away. It's always around us. And as people who have experienced that love and welcome, as people of faith, I know we cannot sit silent. We cannot pray for peace and go home, but instead we need to act with courage to speak up, to stand up so that all people can be heard, all people can be safe, and all people can experience the welcoming power of God's amazing love. Amen.